Hello everyone, my guest today is Nick Bonandito. He's the founder and CEO of the Pop League of Sports Analytics site Numpfire, which was acquired by FanDuel in September of 2015. Today, Nick is a chief product officer at FanDuel. Nick founded his company Numpfire in 29 after he won $1,000 on the show Who Wants to Be a Millionaire with Reggie's Philbin during the 10th anniversary season of the show. Since its funding, Numpfire has grown to over 600,000 subscribers and has gained recognition in the marketplace for accurate predictions, including correctly predicting winners of the Super Bowl and the NCAA Men's Division Basketball Championship. Nick has been featured in various publications and conferences. In addition to routinely contributing to ESPN, he has been featured in Sports Illustrated in 2011, Fast Company in 2012, and Entrepreneur Magazine, amongst others, in 2013. So first of all, Nicholas, Nick, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. I appreciate it, Thomas. It's, it's a pleasure to have you on here today. So Nick, you go on Who Wants to Be a Millionaire and had a successful run and, and basically walked away with $100,000. So you started your business after that. Was that a plan, you know, all the way? So you planned that or was it kind of like, you know, you have to money and you have to do something with it? Yeah, I mean, that was generally my plan. You know, for the business I started with Number Fire, I, I, I knew I had, you know, probably about a year's work to do on my own before I could actually release the product I was working on. And so I kind of figured if I wanted to work for myself for a year, I would probably need, you know, here in New York city, it's expensive to live here. I would probably need a, a pretty good amount. Um, and so, you know, when I'm on the show, you know, I, I probably could have guessed the next question, but I, I decided to walk away. Once I'd gotten the amount of money I thought that I needed, um, and yeah, I know it was a great experience to be on the show. And um, I basically quit my job the next day and started my company. Um, and so, you know, it, it's kind of a unique story relative towards, you know, like, you know, most people, you know, raise financing or they get money from their family or whatever. Uh, I happen to go on a game show, um, but uh, it, it, it really worked out and it's, it, it's a fun story to tell. That's amazing. Yeah, I love that story. So when you when you quit your job and you started a company, how, how was that going? Like you you just started, or what, yeah, what, yeah. I mean, what were was, you struggling you know, with? Like, I mean, it was stressful because you know I think a lot of people in my family thought it was kind of crazy because you know my family yeah. <laughs> wanted me to you know like come home and buy a house and you know like start a family and all that. Um, but you know the idea for Number Fire was an idea I've had my entire life, and it was one of those things where like. I couldn't stop thinking about it. And it was just sort of like, kind of like a, you know, like a, like a dream project to work on. And, you know, this was the first time I actually had the ability to go in, you know, and, and, and really do it. Um, you know, when you're building out a data platform and an analytics platform, like Numberfire was, you know, it takes a lot of upfront investment. Like, you know, I had to spend many months collecting data, you know, building out models, you know, doing all of the things to, you know, get the company off the ground. You know, some, some companies in the really early stages are like really, really simple prototypes, you know, but, you know, to get a company that's a data company off the ground, you know, I had to do a lot of work up front. Um, and, you know, I loved it. So like, it wasn't a big deal for me to do that work. You know, I, I really did enjoy it. But you know, what was stressful about it is, you know, I knew that, you know, what I wanted to get out of it, but you know, you never know if, you know, other people are going to find, you know, what you built to be useful for them. And so, yeah. you know, I kind of had to kind of just guess and, you know, look at the market and kind of use my intuition. But yeah, I mean, the stress, the most stressful thing apart of it was like, 
you know, just not knowing how other people would, you know, would react to the things that I've built. Yeah, I, I loved it. What were some of the resources that have helped you, you know, when you, when you first started out? Because, I mean, you quit your job and then you started, like, you, what were the resources that helped you? Yeah, you know, it's you? funny, you know, the number one thing is, is more than anything else. Like, you know, this is going to sound kind of silly when I say it, but, you know, just having friends and family that believe in you. Because there's always going to be times in which you're feeling kind of bombed or you're feeling just sort of like, you know, run down because you're working so much. You know, having friends that will, you know, take you out for a beer or, you know, you know, just sort of like help you blow off some steam, you know, that in and of itself is helpful. And so, you know, you know, one piece of advice I'd give to entrepreneurs is like, you know, don't ignore your network. And I don't mean network just in a sense of a professional network. I mean, like, you, know, you have to have people who are, you know, just your friends that will you know, help you sort of, you know, maintain a, a, a good mindset to keep moving forward. Um, yeah. you know, beyond that, you know, because I'm here in New York City, um, there are a lot of people you know, within the startup community, you know, and one thing I've found is of people who have, you know, been around the community a while, and maybe there's people who have sold companies and this or that, you know, a lot of people do really enjoy giving back. And, you know, so I try to do that now. I mean, like now that I'm many years past, um, you know, founding and selling Numberfire, I try to give back because I remember what it was like to be in those early stages. And so, you know, I did find a lot of people who were willing to give me advice and, you know, help me make introductions to investors and things like that. So, you know, really the most important thing was just, you know, you know, knowing where to ask for help and, you know, being willing to, to, to act, to ask for help as well. And, you know, just the niceness of people who want to give back to the community. Yeah, I, I totally agree that people are, you know, super, super important. So who are the three people that have been most influential to you? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, you know, as far as sort of like, you know, influential to, you know, my business and sort of like, you know, where it came, you know, the first one leaps to mind is a guy named Nate Silver. So Nate Silver is a statistician that basically, you know, what he does in politics was very similar to what I was trying to do with sports and number fire. Just, you know, how can we use data? How can we use advanced modeling to turn something that most people think is just sort of, you know, you know, an art into something like a science. And so a lot of the work that he was doing kind of proved the market for what I wanted to do. Um, you know, certainly here in the, in, in, in the New York um, tech scene, there's a couple investors, you know, Dave Tish comes to mind, you know, who are just really, really great, really great investors, really great people too. You know, guys, you can always lean on for help or advice or always willing to make introductions or always willing to be super helpful. Um, you know, so I, I was lucky to have a lot of really good investors, um, you know, backing me early on. Um, and then, you know, like just generally within sports, you know, and I don't know if I can speak to a, a, a single person that I can point to, but, you know, over the past decade or so in sports, you know, the, the way that people discuss the game and the way that people make decisions in the game has changed so much. You know, back in the day, it was about scouting and it was about sort of getting these experts, um, you know, these qualitative experts and, you know, they'd be able to, to look at a match and, you know, use their, their expertise. 
Um, but now that we've got, you know, a, a lot of data driven companies that are out there who are not using the eye test, they're not using qualitative analysis, they're using data. Um, and it's turned a lot of, you know, sporting clubs kind of into tech companies. Um, and so, you know, I've certainly, um, you know, that happening out in the marketplace certainly made, uh, you know, my company a lot easier relative towards, you know, just kind of finding an audience for what we were doing. Yeah. Got it. No, I, I love that. Was there a unique skill or, or, you know, kind of like a connection of skills or a set of skill set that helped you along the way and, and basically, you know, make that first company successful? Yeah. yeah I think, you know, if you're starting a company, I mean, you have to really love it. Like, like that has to be like the thing you're obsessed about. Like and, your baby. <laughs> yeah. Like, like it has to be like, just like you think about it all day, every day you think about it in the shower, you think about it when you wake up, like that's just your thing. Um, and you know, when I was starting the company, you know, the, there wasn't a lot of people who were simultaneously interested in sports as well as data. Like those two worlds didn't really counter, like didn't really cross over all that much. Um, and so like the fact that I was trying to find this intersection between sports and data, you know, really sort of helped me as sort of like being someone who was thinking about the industry in a slightly different way. Um, and that just combined with the fact that, you know, my background's in computer science. And so, you know, I had the ability to, to not only have an idea, but to go build it myself versus having to like, you know, go and find a, a you know, like a, a co-founder or go and find a tech shop to help me build it. Um, you know, I was able to kind of just like, you know, kind of hole up in my apartment for, for a year and just sort of, you know, just, just, just code away. And, and, you know, it was stressful, but like, you know, those are some of my most fun memories too. Yeah. On a scale of one to 10, how much do you think that people and, and making the right connections, you know, knowing the right people, um, on a scale of one to 10, how much influence that you as a person and your company becoming, you know, successful and, and really, you know, yeah, successful. Basically. Yeah. You know what? Like it, I would say probably I'd give that like a five. Um, you know, I don't discount networking. Like, you know, like that's, that's super important. And I think obviously, you know, if you get your stuff in front of the right person, it could change everything. But you know, the way I see it is, if your product's good enough, like the right people will find it on their own. And so, you know, I would spend less time focusing on the networking aspect of it and more time focusing on like, how can I build my best product? Because, you know, what happened in my case is, you know, I, I launched my product and, you know, the first thousand users of your product are going to be the people who are the influencers, right? They're going to be the people who are, you know, who like startups, who follow it, And they're more likely going to be the people who are going to go out and tell other people about what you're doing. And so if you focus on building a great product, especially in the early stages, all of those users are going to be the ones kind of doing the networking for you such that you don't have to go out and you know, like and talk to a hundred people. You, the users who love your product will be the ones going out and talking about your product. And so, you know, I would say a five and, and, you know, part of that's also just kind of who I am. I mean, like I'm, I'm on the shy side. I'm, I'm an introvert. You know, I don't really enjoy going to like, you know, conferences and stuff like that. So, um, you know, what I always wanted to do was like build a product that, that, that people loved and, you know, under the idea that 
if they love my product, they'll be the ones sort of like talking to their friends and talking to people about what I'm doing. Yeah. Yeah. Do you have any routines or, or did you have any routines back then? Like that you strictly followed every single day also now? Not really. I mean, like, you know, I, you know, I, I'm not a big, like, so, so I'm a pretty sort of like unstructured guy as far as that stuff goes. So I think like, you know, certainly as I was building out, you know, like, you know, things I would have, you know, like, deadlines I'd set for myself and things like that because what's unique about sports is you know the sports seasons start when they start and so if I want to launch something for the start of let's say the the basketball season or, or the football season you know I have to get it done by a certain date um, yeah. but other than that like I think you know I I tend to keep things pretty fluid I guess like you know I'm I'm, I'm not a big structure guy um, and you know like <laughs> you know, what's funny about, you know, my current job here at FanDuel is, you know, FanDuel is, is a much, much larger company than Numberfire ever was. And so certainly, you know, how, how many employees did you have with Numberfire? So when I sold Numberfire, um, it was, we sold it with 15 employees, I think. Um, mm -hmm. and FanDuel's probably up to a thousand, 1100, 1200 people. And so, you know, it's a much larger organization, which is fine. You know, like, you know, like I, I like a lot of the stability and a lot of the things that come with a larger company, but certainly, you know, shifting over from a very early stage startup to a much more established company, you know, adds on, on a lot more structure. Now you've got more, you know, check-ins with your team. You've got more, you know, it, it's a little more structured than it was for sure. Yeah. Got it. Got it. Is there, is there currently a CEO founder or executive that you're following or studying? It's a good question. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, there are a couple of companies I think are doing some really cool stuff that, you know, like that aren't necessarily related to sports that, that, I, that I'm paying attention to. Like I think Square does a lot of really cool things. Um, here in the States is a company called Peloton, which just went public, which I think is doing some really cool stuff. Um, I don't necessarily like follow individual CEOs so much as I follow like, you know, like what companies are doing. Um, you know, and so it's, it's, it's probably more, you know, I can't name like a single one that's like kind of like who I zoom into. Um, but you know, like definitely, you know, like I, I read a ton of hacker news. I read a ton of, you know, TechCrunch just to kind of like see what's going on and, you know, maintain a connection to the, you know, like yeah. what's going on at the earlier stages. Yeah. So, so do you go kind of like after the company? So you say, you know, you have a, a company and then, you know, the company is doing really well, like uh, ha having amazing success. And then you look to this at the CEO or do you look at the CEO and then basically like the CEO as a person and then kind of like look at a company behind it? Yeah, it's probably more the former. Like I think, you know, I tend to think that like um, companies make the CEO more than the CEO makes the company, I would say. And like, and I know that's sort of like weird for like a, someone who was a founder to say, but, you know, one thing that I always thought was important, you know, was that I always, I always want to hire people who are smarter than me. Like yeah. I always want to find people who are smarter, better, you know, better coders, you know, just, just, and so, you know, when you look at a company that's really, really performing well, you know, obviously the CEO has a lot to do with like setting the culture and the vision and this or that, but it's really like, you know, everyone who works there, who's like really, really, you know, like working together and building out a great product. And so, you know, so 
it's not so much that like an individual CEO to me, like is like where the falling so much as like, you know, let's look at an interesting company. Let's see some of the things they're doing because, you know, you can just tell that throughout that entire company, there's hundreds of engineers and designers that they're just doing really cool things. And to me, that's a little more interesting to follow. Yeah. Got it. So, I mean, you know, you have sold your company and you have an, an amazing job as the CPO at, at FanDuel. So, so what, drives you right now what what's currently driving you yeah i mean you know it, it, it's one of those things where you know i'm always interested in kind of what's next like i think i'm naturally a product person so like i'm always thinking about you know how we make our current product better what kind of new features can we build you know where is the overall industry going and like how can we make sure that we're in a good spot for that and so you know running the product team for a large company isn't all that different than running a a small startup. I mean, you still want to be innovative. You still want to, you know, get the best out of your team. You still want to make sure that you're on the cutting edge of things. And so, um, you know, my day to day isn't really all that different. It's just, you know, it's just done at a larger scale. Um, and so, you know, I still wake up excited about what kind of opportunities are out there. Um, and mm -hmm. you know, now just the outcomes are, are bigger because we're talking about a much larger company. Yeah. Yeah. Got it. So, so what, what's next for you? I just, just to wrap this up here. So are you going to stay in a company, going to start a new venture or? <laughs> yeah. What, um, yeah. I mean, like, like, you know, I, I think anyone who is an entrepreneur, like that's just kind of who they are as a person. I mean, even going back when I was a kid, you know, I was the, you know, the kids selling baseball cards and running lemonade. Oh, love it. Yeah, I mean, and like, like that was me, right? Like a, like so, a small Gary V. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, like that's exactly, I mean, like, you know, if you're an entrepreneur, that's just kind of who you are, right? Um, yeah. And so I definitely think at some point I'm going to start another company because, you know, I've got way too many ideas. Um, but, you know, I think, you know, what's been great about FanDuel's acquisition of Numberfire was that, you know, so much of the things that we built are integrated into... FanDuel's overall code base that, you know, the mission stayed pretty much the same. And so it wasn't like, you know, like number fire still exists. We're still building features for it. Um, and so, you know, to me, like the, the original thesis and the original idea of, of what I started back in the day, like still kind of exists. So to me, it's still fun to be here and, and there's still great things to build. Um, but, you know, I'm sure that at some points, you know, I'll get that urge again and I'll have an idea that I get obsessed about. And then, you know, I'm sure it's going to happen all over again. Got it. Awesome. Um, yeah. Thank you. Thank you so much for being on the show, Nick. I'm really appreciated. And um, yeah, wish you a great day. Thank you so much, Thomas. Have a good one.